Hi, Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, everyone, for coming out tonight. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jenna Christensen, and I'm the founder of Women at Work. Um, you know, and I've been thinking a lot lately about why this was important to me to create a community um, of women to really support one another in our creative endeavors. And um, I hope that's what we're doing here. I know uh, my goal is to come and share my experiences, my challenges, um, the things that have worked for me, um, and, and hope that you all do that for one another. Um, come to this space and feel safe and um, able to share your successes and, and challenges so we can all rise together. Um, so I want to start off by thanking Shari uh, for hosting us tonight and this beautiful showroom. And I don't know if you want to say a couple words about uh, decorative carpets by Stark. Sure. Yes. They have a great. They have a great legacy. They have one of. They have one of the greatest stories, I think, in the decorative I think arts. He's just going to speak. <laughs> no, no, I'm just setting you up. I, I, I think it's. It deserves the honor that you're going to give it. Come on up. I did go the long way. Um, well, thank you for letting us host you tonight. It's very special for for me, um, specifically because Rocky and I said this to you earlier um, is is a, a mentor for me. I think he is for a lot of people. <coughs> um, and it's because of Rocky that. Uh, I am in this industry, really, and have stayed in this industry for the length of time that I've been in it. So thankfully, and I'm going to just speak to George for a second, um, I had the opportunity to meet George. No, George, I've known of him and knew of decorative carpets um, in, my, in my tenure. Uh, because of the legacy of the business. It's a, it was a 60-year-old company, 65-year-old company. Um, give or take, um, and very well known in the in the industry. And when I was looking for an opportunity, um, I had the chance to get to know him more closely. So three years ago, I joined the decorative family. Um, and a year ago, George decided it was time um, to branch out and to change his path. So he decided to sell decorative carpets to Stark. Um, Star Carpet, of course, is a 75-year-old brand, very established in the, on the West Coast, and has been here in Los Angeles for many, many years. Um, and so it was a really beautiful partnership and a, and a marriage, really, of two uh, legacy companies. So uh, I'm thrilled to be a part of the Stark family with our decorative family. And I don't know if, if George wants to say anything. I'll just keep going. No. <laughs> <laughs> George had his day. George had his day. <laughs> in the sun. Um, but really, and I, and I going speaking to, speaking to you, Jenna, um, I've followed your career over the last several years, being that I was um, now in rugs, um, and followed your success and, and all the wonderful things that, that you've done in your career in the last couple of years, specifically here in Los Angeles. And I'd always admired it. 
um, and I <laughs> kind of accosted her at LCDQ this past um, May, um, and and uh, was so happy. I to wish meet people you. accosted me more. <laughs> <laughs> and I just said, I love what you're. I'm following you. Really, I follow her. I I had you know kind of you know known what you were doing, um, and. Really, um, so thrilled that you're doing. She's you're making doing a for difference. Us. Gina is making a difference, mm -hmm. and, this and is, I, she's on the vanguard of what we all want to be doing. Such a good talker. Yeah, um, you are my mentor. I, I think you know that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you a really quick story. We were at AHD, um, the hospitality design show in Vegas, and it was 2004. Oh and I was God. looking for, I was looking for something, and I didn't know what it was, but I knew I wanted to be. I wasn't happy, and I knew that I needed to find happiness. And Rocky and I just sort of met. We just, you know, our <coughs> eyes met, and I said, "I'm looking for something different." And he said, "Well, what do you want to do?" And I just said, "I want to be happy." And it was, you know, that close Rocky talk. <laughs> making out with him <laughs> and he said I've got I've got the thing for you and he just knew so thank you thank you darling. and thank you for being here with us tonight and thank you all for being here if you've been here before welcome back if you haven't been here before thank you for being here we'd love to see you again and and I personally now that we have decided we are sponsoring yes. Official. Oh, yay. It's yay, official. yay. It's official. Wow. So good, um, good. we will be, um, we will, we will see each other again regularly. So. Thank you. So um, tonight, as you all know, we're talking about the importance of knowing yourself and how that relates to success. And uh, I think this is something that's so important and it's been a life sort of journey for me. Um, you know, and I, I didn't really even realize until I was really thinking about it before I came here. It really is the pinpoint of all of the work I do with my clients. I mean, I call it something else when I have meetings with clients. It's finding their differentiating point. But when you have a mean meaningful differentiating point in a marketplace, it's typically it's typically because you're 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 showing the world who you are through your work. Um, so I I just find this, and, and those are the brands and the people that I'm most attracted to. You know, the people that are willing to do that, and I think they really do stand out. You know, in the crowd. So uh, I now want to say a huge thank you to Rocky for being here with us tonight and for being willing to have this conversation and for sparking the idea uh, over just one of those close, close talk conversations um, at Needler when we hosted our last event in your beautiful yeah. showroom. Well, I think of the time that you and I first met. You know, it's just it's because I have... I think one of the one of the assets in the creative industries, if we're all involved in creative industries, <coughs> is what are our assets? Who are we as a people? Who are the culture? I think a lot of it is intuition. And I think we've forgotten a lot about that, about intuition, that it's really uh, the driving force. It's, it's really the baseline of everything. It's about feeling. It's about this. And, and one of the things that I've learned as I've gotten along in business after so many years in the, in the business, I feel like I just started yesterday. I feel like I just arrived and I'm figuring it out. But I, I met Jenna and I knew there was something. I didn't know what it was, but I was drawn to it. And so the angel said, hey kid, 
this is the deal. And so we did. Yeah. We talked and we become. And by the way, friends. it was the same thing for me. I remember mm-hmm. sitting there and going, what? Like, what is your secret? Because you, <laughs> there is something here that I don't see in most people. And then I also saw in her things that I don't see in most people. You know, I think sometimes we see in other people what we don't have. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know what I have. I think I've learned as I've gotten older what I have. Well, my assets are. But I'm constantly searching and looking for other things to feed me, to nourish me, to complete me, to make me what I'm supposed to be. Because I think when you get to be a certain age, you, you want to be what you're supposed to be. And you're trying to set that up. And sometimes it's just get out of the fucking way. <laughs> just listen and, and be true and, and move around. But go slow. L.A. can be a very, very chaotic place. There's so much cacophony, so many distractions, so much going on all the time, that I think to find your soul here is takes a little work. But I think it's worth the work to do whatever, whatever processes you find through that. But I find that one of the things that I've learned that's been my compass throughout 40 years in, in, in all my life is that the people I know, the friends, that they become your compass, they become your rudder. They become, you know, so I guest lecture at UCLA Extension and record with the beginning students. And I say, I don't know anything about design. <laughs> I say, I'm not a designer. Your career is very safe with me, but I'm going to talk to you tonight at UCLA Extension what I know about creation, creativity, the design world. Not that you're ever going to learn that at UCLA Extension because they're going to teach you about stuff. I'm going to teach you about life. I want to share with you what I know <clears throat> because everything I know, I learned from somebody else. Everything I know, I learned from somebody else. This is why I was attracted to this business so many years ago, because it's one of the last medieval businesses, because it's about craft. It's about slowdown. You can't make this, you can't make it big. Look, look at decorative carpets. They, they don't have a big mill. They don't have this. They're little dealers. They're agents. They're creators. This small stuff. It's, it's a spiritual. Like, yeah, the work that you've done. It's just small things. We're attracted to these small things, but listening, attracting, surrounding yourself with good friends. I tell the students at UCLA Extended, surround yourself with good friends, especially in LA, because LA is wild. It's, a, it's, a, it, it's like the Wild West. Everything's going on. Everything's crazy. There's so much going on. How do you find it out? Well, surround yourself with like-minded people that tell you where to go, what galleries to see, what's happening. To I love what you just said about intuition because I don't think people talk about it enough (laughs) and I know from myself that everything that I've done that I'm proud of um, has been from total gut I had no idea how I was going to do what I was going to do I just had a vision take the leap yeah I had a vision and I just had to keep going forward until that vision became a reality um, so here's my question to you Uh-oh. and maybe you maybe you answered it a little bit already but like what how do we get more in touch with our intuition how do, like what are some of the practices that you've used over the years to kind of quiet all those other voices Cause quiet it's, yeah quiet I was talking to Gina do it uh, my, my soulmate at Needler for Share <laughs> that I worked with for so many years <coughs> that that I created. The universe created us. Okay, so, 
And she said, Rocky, you have the ability to just do nothing. Last Sunday, I stayed in my beautiful Brooks Brothers nightshirt all day long. I didn't leave my apartment. I gardened a little. I made some chicken soup. I read. I didn't turn on TV, but I read. And I listened to classical music. I was listening to Rachmaninoff and all the things I love, and totally drifting away. And it's counterintuitive to what I was brought up as, as a, as a Catholic farm boy, where you have to be producing. You have to work, work, keep working, keep working. And I've learned that the, the, the genius of who I am comes from a place that's counterintuitive. It's a place of nothingness, which is really soulfulness of doing nothing. So it's a technique that I use constantly. Or I go up to Cayucas, so a little beach house that you know where I love going up, and just doing nothing. You don't call you because yeah, yeah. I saw you, there. saw you there one time. Yes, exactly. But I go to places where there's nothing. But on the other hand, I love the kids. I love theater. I love opera. I love this. I'm out almost every night in town. Every night, every lunch, every minute of my day, I come pack my life is in 15 minute increments. <clears throat> I'm fully booked because I believe like like George, um, what is it? George was this George and uh, the, the old the old Hollywood actor. He said, I can't die, I'm booked. <laughs> so I feel like I say booked, I'm okay, you know, I keep moving. Um, but to have intuition, you have to respect that part of your soul, that that's a part of your creative. And, and what I tell the students at UCLA, that I'm telling you, is that we are creative reservoirs. I think most of us here that are in creative industries, for, uh, businesses, it's not an industry. I always tell the students, it's not a business, it's not a profession, it's a calling. Okay. What all of us have, I think, if you really observe it, if you really think, is a calling, intuition. But these are things that we don't learn, we're not taught. I don't know how I learned it, from mentors, maybe it's just a natural, maybe I'm just a channeling. But um, intuition is where some of the greatest discoveries come and the greatest businesses come and the creativity that, that people do it with clients or you create product or you're in business, you're in sales. But I find that it's being quiet. Mm. Or whether it be go to the ocean or go for a walk or this. The other thing that I do almost every weekend is, is go to a museum. Mm. LA has so many museums I can never see them all. I tell the students, I go to museums. I go to a museum and I lose my soul. I go in and sometimes I just sit and look at one piece of art and it draws me in because I want to. I want to be drawn in. I want to experience what's in my heart, what's in my soul. I want to explore those reaches and recesses. That, frankly, it's not about business, although it's good for business. Is pleasurable. Aren't we the luckiest people? Aren't we the luckiest people to be able to be have those things that we see things that we can observe things and look at things and feel them and bring them in. I mean, I, I feel always so lucky, so grateful. But, but, but I think the other part of it is, and I'll let you go on, is, 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 uh, is sharing that. That's my greatest joy. She asked me this little thing, a questionnaire. What gets you out of bed in the morning? Well, I get up in the morning because I want to do it again. <laughs> I, I want to see where it's going. 
I want to see where it's going to take me. I want to see what I'm going to learn. I want, I want to see something. I'm, I'm so innately curious. And goddamn son of a bitch, L.A. is the most creative city in the frigging universe. Rome wasn't so fun. New York has never been as exciting as this creative vortex that Los Angeles. You tell the kids at UCLA, I said, Jesus, I just wish I could live another 50 years, see what you kids are going to do with this. Because never has there been a city like this ever. People are pouring in because there's no, there's no, there's no, so little confinement. <laughs> so reflective. So get on for the ride. So how do I get up in the morning? I think sleep is, I have to sleep because that makes me good. But I wish I didn't have to. <laughs> I wish I didn't have to. I think sleep is kind of, although I must tell you, I always tell Gina this, when I'm sleeping, I'm still thinking. All, all night long. I'm processing stuff, and I'm processing stuff. Um, anyway, do you all do that? Yes. Do you? <laughs> See, we're that's all, what we're all. For. Pardon? I feel like that's what sleep is for. To help is that? You process your thoughts. The brain doesn't ever shut off, right? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think creative people do that. I, I mean, maybe everybody does it, but do you do it? When I can't sleep, I try to, uh, I, you know, I've gone back and forth with different practices at night, like maybe asking myself a question before uh -huh. I go to bed, you know, that I'm looking for an answer to. Um, but I really, I've been working on shutting my brain down when I, before I go to bed. Really? Yeah. Or else I don't sleep. And okay. I feel like, I feel like, and I want to go back to what you were saying earlier, the counterintuitive uh -huh. thing about doing nothing, because that's something that I've struggled with giving myself permission to do as well and um, you know understanding that you need the time and space also to be creative um, I'm reading this book right now by Julia Cameron and she talks about it's really a book on writing but to me it's like a book about life and she talks about you know you could take the pressure off of yourself by instead of feeling like I gotta sit down and write, you know, I gotta come up with a story, I gotta come up with something to say. <laughs> no, it's about listening and dictation <laughs> and waiting for the answers to come. And I literally feel like what I do, when I put myself in the right space, when I create that cr space in my head, the quiet time, like that's when the ideas come. And I have no idea where they come from. Well, it's counterintuitive. We don't know. Right. We don't know where they come from. I wish we knew how creative people came, you know. I tell this, it's one of the stories I use is at, at UCLA is about the cave dwellers in ancient times, tens of thousands of years ago. At the end of the meal at night, somebody would take a stick from the fire and draw a saber-toothed tiger, a woolly mammoth, uh, whatever, some sort of rhinoceros or something. And I said, who did that? Not everybody. Not everybody in the village in the, in the cave took it and did a drawing. The creative people did it. Who the hell were they? I said, where, who, who did that? Who were they? Why did they, why would, what drove them to do the take the stick and to, to take something that was in their soul and express it out uh, mechanically or in physical ways? It's like poets. So this, I said, we don't know who they were. And this is why you're here tonight. You're the same thing. We're creative people, but we don't know where it came from. We just are. And I said, oh my God, I said, I, I'm in awe. I'm in honor to be there and to be with people in a, in, a, in, a, in a tribe 
and be it fashion or be it whatever, whatever creative poets, where that comes from, who we are. But 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 my 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 hope for you is to honor that. I think what we have to do sometimes as creators, as soulful people, we doubt ourselves. Oh my God, who are we? What are we doing? Yeah. Do you? Do you doubt yourself, darling? Yes. <laughs> no, I just went oof because yeah, I mean that like that like strikes a chord for sure. Yeah, sure. Um, well, we we all do. Yeah. But you see, but what I what what I hope to do is this in whatever time I have with people that I care about and that I get to work on is honor that, honor the creation, honor the creation. Go to theater, go to museum, go to and to realize the commonality that we have and and that it's. Um, we don't know what it is. You don't have to know what things are. No. You see, I think sometimes we're, we're trained that we have to have reason, we have to have answers, we have to know things. We friggin' don't. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you? Oh, just that you just have to be. You, you can't overthink anything. You just allow it to come and Give you that. Oh, I wish I learned that. <laughs> my, my guru said that to me. I see a metaphysician every Saturday for 15 years. And I said, I wish I didn't think about it. He said, Rocky, stop thinking. Just stop being right. joy. Just sit, just let it come. But it's that duality that creates that, that, that diametric. Uh, that. So you said a couple of things that I want to come back to. Um, one, when you were talking about creativity and like for me and I think it's a blessing and a curse like I look at my work as an opportunity to paint a self-portrait you know and I really do think though that that is the key to success which I think again knowing yourself being able to paint that self-portrait and communicate that in some way whether you're a salesperson and it's the way like you don't just sell you sell in your way. You're Rocky. This is my way. And nobody can do it like you. But you have to allow yourself to be yourself. Even, you know, when you're a brand, like a brand like, you know, decorative carpets. Like, you know, everybody has the ability, you know, who's in the rug business to make these kind of rugs. So how, like, how do you show who you are by producing, you know, certain types of product? Um, well, one of the words that I drove, wrote down with Gina today is entrepreneurship. And I'd like us to think about that word, being entrepreneurs. Because mm -hmm. I think entrepreneurship, what you're talking about, creating your life, yeah. creating your brand, creating who you are. And one of the things that I've learned is my, my background came from merchandising and marketing and not so much in design. Design was just happened that I discovered that I found people that I could relate to and that I could work within and to take the skills that I have and maneuver those in creative people. But it's being an entrepreneur it's like being an artist being an we're all entrepreneurs or i think we can be i think we should be i think we should understand that that even i worked for needler for shower for 15 years but i'm an entrepreneur i've created my job i've created the dimensions of it and, and i think you do that natalie natalie and i work together at needler and i watch her she's an extraordinary uh colleague and i'm enjoying my I love watching her grow and finding her way and or you're an entrepreneur. I mean, you're 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 a brave warrior entrepreneur. <laughs> I've never been brave to start on my own, to be on my own. I could never. I it wasn't in my like you. You know you. Well, 
but no, because of my husband too. He's a designer that was working, he was the GM of Rose Tarla for 18 mm. years. Mm. And then he had to leave because it was time for him to become an entrepreneur and start his own business and it's the scariest thing ever. It was scary for him, I remember him. Like he, went, he was like, I, 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 I was astonished, I wasn't astonished, I was delighted that he could do it because sometimes the, the guru that I have, Jeff Rose, he writes a book and the book is when you get to the end of your rope, yeah. let go. It's a counterintuitive thing. That sometimes it's that, because creative people sometimes set those things up that we, we can't do it, but then when we do, we realize, well, of course we can, but it's that. So defining your life, creating that entrepreneurship in whatever role, like, like we all do. How do you become an entrepreneur? Uh-huh. <laughs> I think I don't look at it from that sort of standpoint. I mean, from the time I was super little, I mean, I, could, I remember always really wanting to own my own thing, whether that was my own thing on my own or with somebody else. But for me, it's coming from a different place of the why I'm doing what I'm doing mm -hmm. and then letting it translate from there. Huh. Um, and how that's communicated because to me there's a purpose behind what we do and what that means um, and how how that develops into relationships with the people that we get to work with um, in whatever it is that we're doing so yes that builds an entrepreneurial base foundation I suppose but I don't ever come at it from that specific because I say sometimes what I say to the students who say is you are the you are the enterprise mm -hmm. you are the asset mm -hmm. we each of us are the asset and I think sometimes I've given that away a lot to Needler and Cecile Browder in SR <laughs> through my 40 years of business I think sometimes, why did I do that why did I give my asset away to, to the company well, because it was safe, it was secure, or something. And then I could operate within those confines. It protected me, it gave me benefits, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But I thought, wow, I just, how can I be like Jenna and just jump and do it herself and pay her own bills? But it was. Um, the why, the purpose. The why, the purpose. Yeah, the why, the purpose. But then I think it's also listening to your own soul. Sure. You know, and, and what, what I tell the students at UCLA, I said, life is very simple. There are three things. Three things. In life. Number one, figure out who you are. Number two, what you're supposed to do. And number three, then do it. <laughs> but each of them requires a great deal of thought. But if you, if you dig into yourself, who are you? Where are you from? Who are your people? What are your experiences? What do you like? What's really good? In, in, in not what you're supposed to like, but deep down in the soul, which we're not conditioned to, in Los Angeles to figure out who we are. We're supposed to be somebody else, you know, where I always live next to some place of greater value. Number two, what are you supposed to do? To do well. Number three, to do it, but I think it's a process that, that right. never ends. So I have a question because, you know, I certainly have had times in my own life where I have been lost and not felt like I don't know who I am. I actually Really? I have a collage that I made, actually, that says sometimes I don't know who I am. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, this is... How did that come about? Um, I think I wasn't happy in the work. I didn't, I didn't feel like my work had purpose. I'm like, I, I really need to feel like I'm... Making a difference? Making a difference. Yeah. See, this is... 
I really need this to is what like the millennials teach me is the the the, uh, the kids today in this business have that they want to make a difference they want to be good hang around with millennials that are really smart you'll you'll learn a lot yeah so I think I I wasn't feeling like I was fulfilling my purpose or that ah. I, or, or, or that what I was doing was making a difference in a meaningful way so um, how'd you get out of it oh god uh, I, I followed my instincts. I journaled a lot. I read. I looked for mentors in the forms of books. I read books like uh, The Icarus Deception by Seth Godin, <laughs> and uh, All Marketers Tell Stories, uh-huh. and um, Now Discover Your Strengths uh, by Marcus Buckingham. Um, I wrote Start with, or I read Start with Why uh, by Simon Sinek, and you know, well, with, all that reading, how are you getting anything done? <laughs> she doesn't sleep. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah but, like, they all, they all planted a seed inside of me that was giving me the answer of where to go next, you know, and uh. giving me a hint. So as a result of reading those books, I, I took different steps. I went in a different direction, you know, um, you know, I used to not think I was creative. I used to be a sale. I used to be in sales, and it wasn't. It just wasn't a right fit for me. You know, I think sale, selling can be really creative, but it wasn't. It wasn't for me. So, so I too created a job for myself. I created, you know, a world. I created a job title and just said, "I'm creative director." <laughs> I've never did. been one before, but <laughs> I'm going to come in here and do it. But what I'm hearing you say is you had a problem okay. and I think sometimes when you have a problem it's how do you solve the problem well number one you have to you have to see you have a problem then you have to define the problem and then you have to find an elixir find something a device and what you did mm-hmm. is you went into reading and exploration because you the soul is a remarkable thing because it seeks salvation a soul doesn't seek demise it seeks success, okay? And I think what she was in, I think it's a great example, is that you intuitively, again, knew that your salvation was going to be reading and finding ideas and discovering that you couldn't do it on your own. Oftentimes we wrench dilemmas in our lives where we can't do it on our own. It's too hard, it's just, why do it on your own? I mean, you know, if your car breaks down, you take it to a garage, you know, you close you right. take it to a book and and so you try to figure out some stuff. But I think you 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 have that instinct that drive for survival, that sort that drive for happiness. I think when what I learned in my metaphysics, when you have a drive for completion, for happiness, and let that drive and the drive for pleasure, it will take you where you need to go. But you don't know where that is and it's not always the same thing, right. but it just listen to it and it moves and it moves it, well it does move but you have to have also you have to have hope right and, and I think the other some of these you know faith hope and charity you know the old biblical things uh, faith hope and love you know I mean what, what but faith hope is a, is a remarkable thing so you know one thing I just realized as we're talking about this is you know you mentioned the three things for me, that, that reading and the journaling and the meditating and making collages and whatever was step one and two. 
It was, who am I, and how do I figure out what I'm supposed to be doing? So I'm okay. And I will tell you that I also did step three. And when the opportunities fell in my lap, you know, I made sure, you know, to go after them. And there, there was one, which I still thank, I send in notes and cards at least once a year. Um, you know, I had this extraordinary meeting on the street on Robertson Boulevard with the artist Shepard Ferry, and that oh, yeah. completely changed my life. But I, but you know, I made something out of that it. Did, that didn't happen by accident. It didn't. No, I know it didn't. Happen I know. Because I, because I, cause I create, ran into you, him twice on the same street in two days. The angels are doing their work. <laughs> Right. Yeah. But I could have easily, the second time I saw him, not gone up to him the second time. That's really when, you know, things shifted. And I met his wife, Amanda. And they they really, especially his wife, Amanda, really took me under her wing and whispered in my ear, these are the kinds of things you need to be doing. And I really started on a whole other path because of meeting them. Uh-huh. Wow, what a great testament. Yeah. Sounds like a parable. Anyway. I feel like I'm on the Sermon of the Mount. <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm serious. And that, that's another thing that I always tell Gina. I said, you know, 90% of life is showing up. Mm-hmm. Going, setting up, doing interactions, intersections. Move it. Move it. Just get in. If you go and move, I always tell the students that you feel like, if you go somewhere, if you show up, something might happen. If you stay at home, I'm guarantee you ain't nothing going to happen. You know? So don't be. I mean, it's it's that. But but I think it's also what I've heard. If I could talk about my friend Jenna, it's an enlightened journey. She respects her soul. This is one of the things when I first met her, I was so attracted to, is that this is a person that respects her soul. She doesn't know what it is exactly. None of us really ever do. But you respect it, so you, you kind of have that belief in it, and then you invest in it. And what she did, she did the work. She did the reading, she did showing up. And it's this force, this life force to keep moving and moving. And, and no good work I find in life ever goes unrewarded. Good work is always rewarded. Soulful work is always rewarded. It just is I've seen it my entire life, but it's that investment, and you don't always know the answer. You don't always know why you do it, but you just do it. And and the gumption to just keep moving. Like the first time I met you, it was one of the most enlightened nights of my life. I'll never forget it at at the, at the restaurant. Uh, and I said, "This is this is a soulmate," because you were tell them how we met. Well, let's do this story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But that's again, that's just a story. See, these are all stories, you see, and these are narratives of how we become who we are. So tell us a story. Okay, so I was trying to ask you a question. <laughs> but, um, so, so my question was gonna be to you, have, you, have there been times in your life where you've been lost sure, or stuck? Sure, sure, And how did you, sure, get, how sure. did you get yourself? Well, in some sense, depression, I think, you know, just as a human being. Always been a, just sort of a classic depression person, and when I when I get start getting depressed, I know I'm getting depressed, and I'm aware of it, and I just say I'll get through it, and you go to it, and sometimes you just go through the process, and just keep looking to to your way out, but I think what what I try to do, is to, is to, go to museums, go to galleries, travel, 
get out of my moribund because depression sometimes or when I get overwhelmed with something and I think depression is a funny thing it can also be chemical I think you don't know what what the brain kind of does to those things and I think sometimes creative people I look at at um, who is that that chef that just uh, killed himself Burdain and you know I, I studied that and I read some articles and I sent them to my guru because I was very fascinated with that process of what desperation this man that could have been that looked so creative and so complete and I, that I so so was so enjoyed and related to and connected to could off himself and I, I had to I had to figure that out a little bit because I think sometimes in myself these things like what is it that you feel sometimes that to the world you're this and then inside you're something else mm -hmm. so I think those things are always important to address to understand I mean that's why I see counselor I see a counselor you know, I, 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 I'm pretty healthy, I think, emotionally, but, but I'm human. So I seek counsel. I, seek fr I think friends are incredibly important. I love to have a, a best guy friend or a gal friend and just have dinner and say, hey, I'm having a rough go. What are we talking about this and that? Sort of stuff. But, um, I think the trick is to be aware of it when you're in it and then to seek remedy you know, for it. Um, and... and and I think typically it's not, it's not I'm clinically depressed, I'm going to be hospitalized, but um, it's a, it's a, usually when you're stuck, it's a result of something that's not right. Okay. And if you're really, and sometimes we deny. <laughs> we don't like to sometimes really get introspective and say, you know, I'm in a bad relationship. I'm in a company that doesn't work. I'm in a job I don't like. I'm in a financial bind. How did this happen? You know, well, pull your head out of your ass and figure it out. You know, like, so, but uh, that was an interesting question you asked in your little questions to me because it really, it really confronted me because it's that spot that I become vulnerable mm. and human. And, you know, it, it's interesting. I think sometimes we all pre pre present a face to the world that we're complete and happily ever after, but then we go home. We remember the story of J. Robert Prufrock, you know, but it's, um, but I think as I go along in life, Jen, what I do is I'm aware of it earlier and try to, try to, try to fill my life with joy, right. happiness, experiences, and I think it's a lifestyle, and it's not hedonistic. It's also what I find as I've gotten older is to be good, to, 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 to give back to do good things for good for people. Uh, philanthropic work. I've devoted a lot more of my energy right now to philanthropy and raising funds like this Lifetime Achievement Award that I'm getting at the in September. It's, it's, it's been a lot of work for me because I'm, I'm tapping on a lot of resources around the country asking for funding, you know, $2,000, $4,000, to create a scholarship fund for students at uh, design students in LA, and so that becomes a driving force to me. So, I think sometimes it's 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 being being aware when you have those those signals, and then doing something to to overcome it. To, to it's a lifestyle, but you know what? That's going to dog me forever because that's who I am. And you know what? That's who I am. That's who I am, and that's who I am, and I'm okay. I'm going to get through. And does that make any sense? No. Yep. Is that too honest? No. You actually made me want to share that. You know, I, I've been, I've had a bouts with depression in the past, and 
you know, I, a lot of you know I recently got engaged, which is a very happy thing, but it's also taken me away from L.A., you know, and I agree with you when you say there is a vortex of creativity happening here. Like, this is the most exciting city in the world right now, not New York City, and that's where my love lives. And so it's been, it's been a challenge, you know, leaving this place that I love to be with the person I love, mm-hmm. you know, and missing my friends and missing the community that I've been a part of for 15 years, um, and just, like, figuring that out and how does that work and how do I, really, it's like starting over. Um, but that could be an adventure as well. Anyway, um, I want to talk about um, something you said about um, philanthropy and being driven to raise funds. And I'm wondering, you know, again, if we look back at those those three things you mentioned earlier, what's your purpose? What do you think is your life's purpose? Hmm. That's not easy. You know, it's, it's it's not easy. Do you want some help? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you see? I think because, sometimes people see it. In because I see it. You are. Um, I think at your core, a teacher. You're yes. Inspiration. Yeah. 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 It's, it's my, yeah. Is that what it's going to be, a teacher? And, yeah. and like you said, a mentor, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. I, I, and you seem to get so much joy out oh, of that action, yeah. which to me means that's something that brings you alive and like you have touched so many people in this room. When I describe Rocky, I describe him Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I am uh, an inventor, a teacher. I think I'm a closet. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm two things. You know, I'm I'm a closet recluse <laughs> because I really, I really like being alone. Um, and, but I'm I uh, I love teaching. I love sharing. Maybe that's it. Sharing. What are the What are the words? Maybe I should go back and and dissect this a little bit. Is it that I I feel I'm so lucky to know so much and have so much and to know so many things and and to have the ability to connect and do things and the, the ability to, I have the wherewithal to be able to to give. And I guess that's it. I guess, I guess maybe, I'm, maybe I'm, a, um, I'm a religious in a sense. Maybe I'm a, a, a monk or something. I, I don't know what, or a, a nun. <laughs> I don't know what. Um, but I, I enjoy sharing. I, but I enjoy, the, I, I enjoy people. What is it about people? Think you're, and you also said earlier about what gets you up in the morning. You're 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 very curious. So at the same time, you're a teacher. You're also a student. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I also read voraciously. I was telling Gina that I read, 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 read. I'm I'm engaged with everything. I, I have to know everything. I just I read everything. I get like twenty, thirty magazines a month. I read the Monocle. I read Wallpaper. I read this and that, and the New Yorker, and the and the you know stuff from all over, and the World of Interiors, and uh, and the gay stuff and the this stuff and the lesbian stuff. And I, I just have to know. And when I travel, I'm always picking up the, the, the freebie newspapers and rags of reading them on the train or on the, the plane. Post. 
Pardon? <laughs> but 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 I, I I have this insatiable curiosity. But I think that's why I just was telling her that um, that ASID has a quarterly newsletter, and they called me on Friday and said, "Would you tell us what books have influenced you? The design world, sort of stuff." And I said, "Oh, good. Could I get back to you in a week?" He said, "No, I need it by the end of tonight." So I gave them the books that I that I love in my life, and, and one was um, Stanley Marcus, Minding the Store and the Quest for the Best, because of my background was in merchandising, and one was um, Guerrilla Marketing, one of my favorite books about how you market yourself without assets, but I just want like we're doing here, one-on-one, -on -one. and um, Ode to Color, and then Jack Larson, who was another mentor, uh, Material wealth about textiles and, and those sort of things. So, but I read my. If we get a six point five on the Richter, I'm going to die by books because <laughs> the books are all going to come crashing down and kill me. And you know, and wherever I travel, I, I, I buy the books. You know, from, uh, there's not a city I go to anywhere in the world that I don't mm. go to the art That's museums. Pardon, and see and buy books. Yeah. Buy books and surround myself with books. And I'm on the board of the library. Of West Hollywood, it's my dream come true. Because when I was a little boy growing up in South Dakota, the town of 443 people, I read both of the Reader's Digest condensed books by the time I was <laughs> in high school, and I would take the Greyhound bus in front of my dad's gas station that goes to City, Iowa, to the Carnegie Library and read books and cookbooks and that sort of stuff. So I've just books have always been my place that taught me and informed me, and that so that's why when when we West Hollywood, the city I became a part of helping create West Hollywood, and we did that 35 years ago. But then part of John Holland's my dream was to build a library. So we did it. You should really go see the library. Oh, it's so absolutely incredible. Library, yeah, yeah and, the, and the children's library in the middle of the library is a huge uh, box, plywood box, and the inside is a replica of the Medici Library that Michelangelo designed for the Medici's in Florence. And most people don't know that, but, but we had this passion for the children of West Hollywood to sit and when they had their stories out, because now they have drag queen storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really great. Um, but to be able to do that, that. So, so book stories, what? I think when I become unhappy, it's when I don't, when I deny myself my own pleasures. And I think this is a form. So this is like a therapy session. Mm. <laughs> I like this a great deal. I'm going to pay you each a hundred dollars. <laughs> but it's 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 finding curiosity, finding your pleasures, satisfying those pleasures. Um, yeah, and I'm on the board also with you of ICAA, which is another great thing. If you don't know ICAA, it's an incredible organization. Institute of Classical Arch Architecture that has, uh, but this is what I do. I fill my life up with things and people and stuff and lectures and smart and move that around. Oh, I was telling Gina, you know, when I'm on my deathbed at Cedar Sinai, I'm going to be begging for 15 more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so nice. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I, I saw a pretty incredible uh, documentary this weekend that everyone needs to go see. Uh, it's the Mr. Rogers, Walking mm. with My Neighbor. Yes. Yeah. Talk about someone who knew themselves mm -hmm. and really put that everything into their work. It yes. was really mind-blowing the things that he did at a time where 
was so groundbreaking. And I wish I remembered more about it when I was a kid, because I know I watched the show, but I really didn't have the memories. But, like, he talked about segregation. He talked about the Vietnam War. He talked about death. But in a way, all that came from love, like never combative. And so really his message and um, I think what he was trying to communicate is that, you know, love is the answer. So my question is to you, how does love fit into all of this? How does it fit into success? How does it fit into knowing yourself? It's everything. My first prayer in the morning when I wake up is love. To be in love, to be in a loving world, and to give love, to accept love, to be love, and I I feel that you know I, I love the letter of Saint Paul to the Corinthians. Whenever one of my nieces or nephews get married, I always love to read that passage: the faith, hope, and love, and the the greatest of these is love, and love never fails. Love never fails. Love has never failed. Um, Love is complete. Well, you're in love. I am. I know. <laughs> How's that changed? Um, well, I, I realize that before meeting him, I didn't really know what love was. And I did, <gasps> don't, didn't really know what it meant to really love Would you bring me a wine? <laughs> 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 Thank you, doctor. <laughs> I'm getting the vapors here. <laughs> oh, l'amour, l'amour, toujours l'amour. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> he loves you for that. No, no, no. but but um, yeah, I didn't know what it meant to love another person or to really be loved. Wow, this is really good. Wait, can you re- can you repeat that? Sorry. I said I didn't really know what it meant to love another person or to really be loved. Mm. Um, you and, told me that. Yeah. And, I, and listen, I've been started over that because that's a, that's, a, that's a foreign concept to me. Yeah. I don't even have a pet. Yeah. I have a fish. <laughs> you love I'm a fish. I have so, a fish. The question for you then yeah. is, and both of you, is do you think you need to be in love or have a partner to feel complete? It's a big statement. So that's a really that's a really great question because before I met him, um, you know, let's be honest. Like, I, of course, I wanted to meet someone. I'm not gonna lie and say like, but I wasn't looking, you know, and I felt complete enough and satisfied enough and fulfilled enough by my own life, you know, and my career and my friends that I didn't. I didn't feel like I wanted to be chasing after it, if that makes sense. And I didn't want to settle. You welcomed it. Right. And so I I felt I felt complete, you know, before I met him, but once I'm like thinking about life without him does not feel complete. Does that make sense? That's the secret. Yeah. Who said that? You. How long have you been with your boy? I've been with my husband for twenty five years. And it's like yeah, it's like, you know, some days you're like, ugh. But when you know you can't live without them, or you can't imagine your life without them, no. you know it's I the cannot. Right I cannot. And, and that doesn't mean I don't take him for granted oh. and forget how special <laughs> our life is together, because I do. But Because um, we're all human. We're all human. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he really is a special person. Mm-hmm. I don't know anyone like him. I would agree. 
Love. See, my grandmother used to say to me, her old bony fingers, she'd say, love is a tender trap, Rocky. <laughs> what kind of a switch is that? Tender trap. But I think also, I don't know, this is going for another whole week. We could spend a whole week <laughs> talk about these things. But this is why I think, if I can interject to the, to the, the, the prominence of all this, is women at work. When Jenna mentioned this to me that she was doing this and putting it together, and I presented it to our team at Needler today, a little bit, I said, "I don't really know what this is. It's, it sounds really interesting because feminist women sort of stuff. But why are women different than men? Why do women? Why do? Why do? Why are we tribal? Why are men together with men? You know, Robert Bly used to do that in the old days when I was coming out, say men with men and drums. You know, drumming. Say how do you how to become a man? But women." At work, I think women doing these sort of love you. Pardon? She's not a bad valet. Okay. To work hard. See you soon. But I think. But I think I think that's that's really interesting because you approached me and you said I really want to be a part of this organization. And what was what was your driving of that? There's a lot, but I love the fact that it's about women empowering women um me personally why i'm driven for it is i personally feel lost like i'm happy with what i'm doing right now but the question that you guys asked why why am i doing what i'm doing i don't know <laughs> and then i think about it all the time like what are people's first impressions of me i don't know i feel so jumbled i can't really say like what people take away from like mm -hmm. who i really am do they see who i really am and then i think who am i <laughs> really, really do i are. know who i am and so it's really kind of yeah soul searching in a way the reason well, why i'm so intrigued and um and also just like being in a network of creative women because I am in sales. I love being in a creative atmosphere, but I don't feel like I'm the creative driving force. And I like the fact that I'm a part of people's creative process and I'm inspired by it. And so I just like meeting people like all of you <laughs> and I'm inspired by you and, and just the fact that people are driven to, to know that familiarity. I don't know how to. I guess. I think you've explained it well. Okay, good. I, no, 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 no. And I think I think you did exactly what I. But you 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 broke it open, and I think that's this is the need right now. It's not about design. It's not about commerce. It's about soul, and I think this is. We did a little yeah. event a couple of weeks ago with the ICAA Neos, where Gene and I and the, the two kids from, uh, Forum Studio. And we talked about soulfulness. Well, the, 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 the group was in awe. And in my 40 years in design in West Hollywood, I've never heard that before. But I think it's time. I think part of it, it is, is time. A, pardon? That's why we're here tonight. I, I, it is yes, time. it is time. And, and yeah. you did this. But there's nothing more powerful than, I, than an idea that time has come. I think some of us that are in the business for a while been around, we get a sense about where things are going, and I certainly do after being in this, and this is where it's, it wants to go now, it wants to go in soulfulness ways, because there aren't answers in other mechanical operations, and so you go back to when the, there's this whole cacophony of things going on, you're going back. 
you try to explain it <laughs> I don't know but, but it just is but it comes back but I listen to it when I t- talk to the, the, the women in, in Needle for Share and they come up and say I want this I thought wow this must be okay this will be good there's, there's a draw there's an it usually expresses it honestly there's a need you want to explore but this is what this is why I think sometimes the work that you do in the smaller groups with women together mm-hmm. you know we used to call it dinner parties <laughs> 40 years ago when I was a young gay guy in town we'd, we'd have a dinner party and you'd talk about these things with soulful people or you go to Palm Springs and spend a long time with weekend with people and you talk about these things but I think it's I think it's I think it's extremely valuable to to talk and I think what you're doing I think is it's just the tip of the iceberg I think it's going to be I, I hope more right. of this and it goes well, well I think like two of the things that I, I want to do with this is one I did you know I've gone to so many panel discussions over the years and yeah and I just felt like nobody was talking about anything real uh-huh. or deep yeah, 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 or about yeah. the hard well, parts yeah. or, or being honest relatable yeah. I mean that's what it comes down to right I mean well I don't want to hear Kelly Worthley talk one more time or Martin Lawrence Ballard and I love them all they're oh, good clients yeah. they're good friends but there's there's something else I want we know what they're doing we get what they're doing we're inspired by what they're yes, doing yes exactly but <laughs> we're here one to connect with each other and with new people or people that we even know but on a much deeper more intimate level it's pleasurable and that's what this is about uh-huh. it's the connection and what we can take from this and learn from each other or be inspired by each other you know there's so much more to it and th- this is the new dinner party you said something earlier about doubt and that's the other thing that I you know I want everyone here to know that I have doubted myself for everything I've done. I had no idea how to do anything I've done. Everything I do now, I have no idea how I'm going to do it. I have no idea. I make it up as I go along. But I think that that's part of the process, right? right. But nobody and, talks and, and about that. But you think it, it makes me more yes. comfortable yeah. owning that, Well, that's that the reason. Because yeah. nobody admits it. it. We're all in the yeah. same place. We're all yes. like, fuck, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? I don't know. <laughs> like, I, am I crazy? But okay, we're just going to jump in with both feet and we're going to do it. Everyone experiences that in whatever industry or place that they are in their life. But like Jenna said, nobody's actually talking about it. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. And the reason I want to talk about it cause, is I think, listen, I think it was Elizabeth Gilbert that talks about this in her book, Big Magic, the difference between men and women. Mm-hmm. And that women get in their way. Women <laughs> get in their own way. Really? Yes, they get in their own way. And they expect themselves to be 1,000% prepared perfect and that's why they're mothers yeah and and also but like like if they look at a job description online like you know i'm looking for donna if they don't have everything on that list they do not apply a man has 40 percent of the things that they're looking for and And will apply and ask for 60 percent more than what they're offering (laughs) so so one of the reasons there therein is the opportunity Power. Power. I have a question, Rocky. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it's obvious that you adhere to the classics. And yes. throughout the classics, there's been a theme of rebellion. Van Gogh, for example, 
Has that played a part in your career being rebellious? Of course. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> leading the witness, Your Honor. <laughs> I grew up in a small town, Catholic town, 400 people in South Dakota. I was a rebel. You know, my mother used to say, oh my God, you're going to be so happy when you leave here. <laughs> uh, and I was the anti-war. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a, it fueled your creativity to be yeah. Oh no, no. I, as I've gotten a little older, you know, to me when I went to college, I was the greening of America. We shut down the campus during the the Vietnam War, chased the people out of the armory and the generals mm. and all that kind of jazz. They did all that jazz. We we're going to make the world a better place, right. and then you get invested in it. And so, that, but I'm still a bit of a radical, and I'm still of a bit of a. Um, I like I like that. I like being a little edgy and unpredictable. Um, and it's the better part of me. I mean, I like hanging around with, with people that are in their 20s and 30s that are really, really nihilist. You know, I really like the pushing, pushing, pushing yeah. the envelope and questioning thought mm -hmm. and questioning why we do things. Why do we do it this way? Well, we've always done it this way. Well, screw right. you. We're not going to do it this way. So, but I think in terms of study and artistry, understanding the classics is valuable. Okay, I, I find that uh, understanding the classics is, is satisfying to me, but it also gives me the ability to break it apart in ways that are more meaningful. I encourage the young people. Was it, were you trying to drive or were you trying to drive on something a little deeper? I'm trying to make you be rebellious. Uh -huh. Would you say I'm rebellious at the office? At the office, uh -huh. I'd say you definitely walk to your own beat, which I, I think everyone admires in you. But I wouldn't say rebellious like in a negative sense. Well, I've, I've learned to be it, collaborative are, to get you, done. I, I want to be successful. I want to make a difference. And I've learned how to work within this, in the system, within the structure. I think in structure. a way, rebellious in a way where like you will disrupt a regular flow, <laughs> stop things and say, stop, like break it apart. What are you doing? Because I'm so intelligent. Let's be open about it. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, like no he, I'm he so does. intelligent. Like, I'm so intelligent. See it in I'm meetings. so intelligent. We'll all be sitting in meetings, and, and Rocky will bring something up, and you can see like a few people are kind of like, oh, God, this meeting is going to go forever. Because he wants to like everyone to think with an open mind, and he'll talk about it in that sense where... Do you know how rare that is, But though? I do think that that's a part of Needler's success, too, yeah, that we yeah, always... Totally. At least once in a meeting when Rocky's there, we do stop and kind of think, and sometimes it's... It's, it's kind of kind of fun for me to be at my age, and as the president of the company calls me, the pater familias. You know, <laughs> I get to be the, the, the uncle, you know, the, the dad, that sort of stuff. But I respect the, the, the young people, and I respect their, their ways of doing things and wanting to do this. It, but um, and so, but again, that's a part of my crafting of my life, mm -hmm. which is what you asked me. This is what I'm trying to do. I want for whatever time I have left on this holy earth that I craft my life in ways that are fascinating to me, meaningful to me, and that I feel like I can that I have purpose, mm -hmm. that I give back, and that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And I'm pretty close, you know, Professor Maslow, the ascending hierarchy, you know, ascending needs, being self-actualized. I'm just about at that pinnacle of being self-actualized. But a part of that then is being able to do, as my grandmother said, Rocky, you're going to love getting old. 
because you can do anything you want. <laughs> it's okay because you're old. And I'm playing that card a lot now. Yes, I was going to just say, does anyone have any more I questions? wanted to know, like, because you mentioned how you've always struggled with doubting yourself, and I, I hope that everyone has the same struggle here. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm literally crippled by it, and I wonder, like, what, what are your, like, go-to methods to, like, overcome that? This is good. Wow. Tell us all your secrets. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's it's really that's a really good question. Um, I uh, I have a few things that I do when I and I'll call it feeling stuck. Really, mm-hmm. um, one I'm really as I think I might have mentioned earlier. Like I'm really led by vision. Like n- normally, what happens to me is I get a picture in my head of what needs to happen. You know, um, and that really keeping that picture clear in my head really helps because I typically really believe in that vision you know it came to me for a reason I didn't create it it came to me so just knowing what's one step I can take today even if it's half a step towards making that vision happen what is that Um, I read books that inspire me so I have a book um, right now that's sitting on my uh, bedside table um, by Tim Ferriss and it's a tribe of mentors tribe of mentors mentors. yeah and he interviewed I want to say a hundred or more um, thought leaders in different industries but I read Hmm. one section I have the chills right now and it really just gets me out of my pity party you know (laughs) that I'm having and really makes me want to get up and take 10 steps forward Um, so things like that I'll do or I'll listen to a podcast that's really that inspires me I have a few on my uh, list you know one of them being again Tim Ferriss um, do you, I listen do you to ever on do being anything like physical like if you're walks. feeling like stuff like walks. go on walks or hikes or yep. get in nature Move. runs whatever I know yeah. everybody's yeah. like I don't want to yeah. work out but yeah. like, just getting outside and moving, in definitely. nature and moving your body to kind of whatever is stuck to help Mm-hmm. physically get it out in yeah. a way yeah. yeah moving I started doing yoga I do yeah. meditate um, every day which calms my like when I start to feel anxious how long do you meditate typically what's the range anywhere between 15 to 20 minutes yeah. it's a lot. but I'll usually do it's and like, sometimes I do it more like than that. once a day it's depending um, but it gives me that space I was talking about have you about seen earlier. this new meditation place over yeah. on La Cienega yeah. On, yep. on, on that it just is fascinating you know all of a sudden I go duh <laughs> if there's enough business for people to have square footage a couple thousand square feet with people offering meditating space or whatever they call it I don't know what the one in La Cienega is but I mean I've also been meditating more and more I mean Jim and I have known each other for several years now and you know one of the things that I really got into doing more was meditating and I'm now on my second or third five minute journal I think because of Jenna it was like one of the first books that she gifted me which is a game changer and when I don't do it like I notice a big difference in my life um, but there's an app called One Giant Mind that's a free app um, and it's interesting, I just decided to do it even though I've been meditating um, just to kind of see what happens and they walk you through like a 12-day period before you get into like a 30-day period and it sort of talks about how, I think people, most people think that there's 
this way that you're supposed to meditate and what's supposed to happen and it's like no every session is different and and how your brain might be doing all sorts of different things or you might be uncomfortable you, your body goes number all the and it walks you through it that it's actually all okay and it's part of the process and it's like oh like I don't need to judge every single one right. of these like right. just let whatever comes come and let it go and you're you're fine you know um, but those are two things that I've taken from Jenna since we've known each other and um, they are they're game changers you know yeah one giant mind one giant mind yeah it's free and it's free so it's always nice um, I wanted to say one more thing to tell you our our next conversation is going to be all about confidence mm -hmm. so we're we have a conversation with a woman called Tony P Purdy and she wrote a book called my hype book and this book is basically a place for you to celebrate your successes so one of the things I realize that I don't do enough uh, is sort of look back at my accomplishments oh my and even God. look at them as accomplishments are you so, Catholic yeah <laughs> so um, this woman made a book that is all about celebrating yourself and okay. we're going to talk about that in October Wait, in October yes is she just the next one yeah yeah Jews wow. have the same guilt. Yeah. People in general, and maybe closely related, huh? Yeah. Um, anyone else? Amanda. Any questions? I was just going to add to what you said, Jenna. Um, Tony's also going to be um, yes uh, hosting our next co-hosting yeah, yeah co-hosting our next group strategy session. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which is a smaller, um, like eight person. Um, yeah, see, that's what I think you yeah. like. Uh, uh, yeah. just, a stra just a group of women just talking about things that they want to move forward on, um, something maybe they're stuck on, something they, they Well, you know, it's interesting. One of, one of the gals in the office today said, I told her about this thing. She said, well, I don't need to go to this stuff. She said, I feel like I'm already an evolved woman, that sort of stuff. I said, well, then that's why you should belong, because you can share what you've learned with other women. And I said, let me tell you something. When you've achieved something, Latina, and she's really involved as a mother, yeah. as a this, as a human being, as a, a Vietnamese refugee, and all this sort of thing. You see all this, that, other things that she's learned as a human and as a woman in her life, and all the intricacies. I and I don't know her that well, but I just have this sense about her. I said, my God, you should be a part of this group to be inspiring to other people, because if you have something, you want to share it. You, yeah. Because I think again, sharing. This is what. This lady is in such a pleasurable place. Look at her, she's glowing. Yeah. You see an aura. There's a vibration that she has here because she is finding herself and she's sharing it with people. There's no higher form, I think, of, of living and being in life, whatever this thing life is, whatever life is, whatever this is to be alive when you find it that you share it yeah. and uh, it's it's a pleasure to be with you tonight thank my you. dear God, and to share all of that I mean I cannot thank you enough for taking this time to be with us and for being so open and authentic and honest because so so few people really are I think as honest as you were tonight with us and I just thank you I know that it creates an environment where people feel safe and they feel like they can share 
and they also, I think, feel seen in a way. Um, so I just want to say And that. I want you to know that the pleasure tonight has been mine yeah. with each of you and all of you. I feel your energy. I feel your vibrations. I feel your love. I feel you. I mean, I think this is it. So I just want you to say, I want you to know how, how very, very grateful I am. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Let's give a huge round of applause.